Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for part two of the importance of home blood pressure monitoring. In this episode, we will be discussing self-measured self blood pressure best practices. Just as a quick reminder, my name is Courtney Masterson. I'm a practice transformation specialist here at Quality Insights, and I'm joined by Katie Berna from, from the Pearl Clinic. Katie, welcome back. Thank you to you and Quality Insights for having me. Absolutely. So to start, to start this episode, we will be presenting a case scenario of Mr. B. Mr. B is a 51-year-old man with type 2 diabetes, hyperlipidemia, and PTSD. The patient presents to the office today with concerns about high blood pressure. The patient states that his dentist has completed a deep scaling, which is a two-part procedure. He has completed the first part of the deep scaling and was advised by the dentist that his blood pressure was 150 over 90. The patient was advised that the, that the second part of the procedure could not be conducted without a visit to his primary care provider for the elevated blood pressure and a letter of clearance to, be, to proceed. Mr. B does not pre presently have a diagnosis of high blood pressure. At the patient's last office visit, his blood pressure was recorded as 135 over 72 with a pulse of 75 beats per minute. The patient was advised on lifestyle modifications such as dietary modifications and increasing exercise. Today, Mr. B presents with his wife and is visibly frustrated with the dentist's request. He states, I do not have high blood pressure. I was nervous about the procedure and you know I have white coat syndrome. This is ridiculous. Just people, just people covering their butts. Vital signs today are a blood pressure of 150 over 90, a pulse of 88, oxygen at 99% room air, and afibrillae. Patient's medications include metformin, 1,000 milligrams twice a day, atorvastatin, 10 milligrams daily, and Katie, you're going to have to help me with that one. I'm... It's deloxetine. It's for anxiety and depression, so he would be on that first PTSD, 60 milligrams a day. Okay, thank you. I haven't seen that one. Um, does the patient have a di have Does this patient have a diagnosis of hypertension? What can we suggest to empower the patient to be a part of his plan of care related to this potential diagnosis? So Katie, before we jump into that whole scenario, why don't we do a little bit of a review of the whys, why the, these programs are important for self-measured blood pressure and why we want the patients to be involved? So recently, there have been studies presented by the Journal of American Medical Association and also the Journal of Internal Medicine showing that patients who participate in home blood pressure monitoring programs allow for more consistently and taking blood pressure over a period of time than as opposed to coming into the clinic where we don't get blood pressures as frequently. Therefore, this allows us to make more accurate diagnoses. We're able to get a better average of blood pressure over time. Therefore, supporting a, a diagnosis of hypertension or decreasing overdiagnosis. Okay, great. So let's jump back into those questions. Does the patient have a diagnosis of hypertension and what can we suggest to empower the patient to be a part of his plans? Since we have reviewed those whys, I think we should also look at hows. I agree. So maybe this patient has a diagnosis of hypertension. It certainly seems with his last blood pressure, certainly the blood pressure is trending upward. Um, 
And then with the dentist appointment, this is a second blood pressure on the higher side. So this is a patient that certainly we need to help empower him to see where his blood pressure lies on a daily basis. So he's a great patient for home blood pressure monitoring if he agrees to participate because this puts him in charge of taking his blood pressure and seeing the readings from day to day and seeing what, what his true readings really are. So um, from a clinic perspective, and getting this program in front of the patient, there were several steps that we had to take to make this program happen. One of the things that we did is you can't implement a program without a champion. So we identified a person in the office who wanted to participate more on the patient care end. So this actually ended up being one of our front desk receptionists who took the role of our office champion. So she kept track of the documentation, she kept track of the loaner devices, and also helped keep track of the surveys at the end of the patient's participation. So she basically kept ownership of the program and whole, also including the data. Katie, if you don't mind me uh, stepping in there, how how was your front desk uh, 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 your front desk lady identified as the champion? What like what motivated you guys to pick her? So she is the main point of contact for patients when they check in and when they check out. So this allowed to help us with workflow efficiency. So she was able to recognize this patient is participating when. The teaching piece needed to happen. We have two front desk people, so she could step away, perform that teaching, give the person the learner, make their next follow-up appointment, give them the paperwork required, and then the patient could go. Then on return, as the patient comes in, immediately she knows that patient is part of the home blood pressure monitoring program. She can recollect the equipment and have the patient complete the survey as they're waiting for the provider for their scheduled appointment. Okay. All right. So it sounds like you guys, you know, set up that workflow. Um, I'm guessing that, you know, it wasn't a one and done thing um, for, for the workflow. Would you say that was kind of an ongoing process to establish something that worked in your office? Exactly. So anytime that you implement a new program, you want to identify a model to help with that implementation. So often the plan to check act model works really well, or PDCA works really well in the healthcare setting. So certainly you plan what you're gonna do. You make sure that everybody's on board, everybody's educated, everybody knows the steps. Then you, you do what you've planned. Unfortunately, oftentimes that last piece is going back to reevaluate what you're doing. And luckily, because we were communicating frequently throughout the day, because we had that first point of contact and last point of contact included in this program, we were able to evaluate as we were working on this daily, what was working, what wasn't working, and what we needed to change. 
Great. Thank you. And now, obviously, uh, your front desk girl is not the one who's going to be identifying patients, but what type of patients would you say uh, would be a good candidate? Do you think that Mr. B would be a good candidate? Mr. B would be an excellent candidate because it sounds like he and his healthcare provider have been having discussions about this, given that his blood pressure has been on the higher side, particularly his last visit. However, it seems that he may be a little bit in denial regarding his blood pressure. So those are good candidates for this type of program. Um, Also patients who perhaps may not be able to have their own home blood pressure monitor already in the home, but you need them to check their blood pressure a little bit more regularly. This is a good patient that you can provide the loaner to to use if, if they don't have the money to, to perhaps buy one on their own. Those are good patients. Um, so patients who you suspect may have high blood pressure, but we're missing them in the office. Like, hmm, you know, wonder wonder what their patient their blood pressure is on a more regular basis. Somebody who has high cholesterol, somebody who is diabetic, somebody who has risk factors for high blood pressure, but you haven't made the diagnosis, those patients are also a really good pick. So Katie, I know we've discussed uh, the identification of patients with high blood pressure. In ProClinic, do you guys use the loaners at all for titration of medication? Oh, definitely. Those patients also make really good choices for the program because sometimes you get a report like, I tried the medicine, it made me dizzy, it made me not feel well. Well, maybe the medication's too high. Um, so, so those patients are really good too because you can have them check their blood pressure, you can give them parameters, and that helps adjust the medication appropriately and make changes. Okay, yeah, that's you know definitely quite a few different patients there that would make... Uh, good candidates for a program like like this. Now, Katie, you had mentioned earlier, um, one of the aspects of Quality Insights Loaner Program is that we do ask patients to complete a survey. Um, we want to make sure the program's working, that you know they're getting what they need out of it. A lot of practices report back that they have trouble with getting those surveys completed. Um, how does your practice work to get those surveys completed? Well, when a patient is agreeing to participate in the loaner program, one piece of that is the patient has to come back and have a visit with the provider because we're most likely trying to make a diagnosis. So the patient needs to come back with that blood pressure log so that we can sit and have a visit and discuss what the findings were and what the next steps are. So with our front desk person being the champion of the program, She knew the patient was coming in for their follow-up visit, and she had the survey ready to go so that the patient could fill this out while they're waiting. Okay, perfect. So they're they're filling it out before they even go back to see the provider. Correct. Well, that would make it pretty easy to make sure they do it, right? (laughs) Exactly. That sounds like a great piece of advice for those providers who are reporting that issue. Um, that's right. a great point that, you know, they're going to have to bring back those monitors, come back and see you. So, you know, having them fill that out as almost as part of like their admission paperwork is definitely a, a great way to get to make sure it's completed. Yes, it's I don't think we've missed one survey unless a patient did not 
said they were going to participate and they didn't follow through. And that did happen a couple times as well. And when, and when that happens, do you try and have, do you try and kind of pivot and have them reconsider or reevaluate or like, what is your approach to those type of patients? Certainly, because when the patient agreed to participate, they do have an appointment to come back to discuss their participation. So when they come back and we discover that they haven't participated, that's when we have a discussion as to what is the, what is the reason that you weren't able to participate. Um, one of our patients had a family member pass and it wasn't a good week and it wasn't a good time for them to participate. So we decided to pause with that person and revisit at another time. The other patient honestly wasn't motivated to do it. So then we reverted to um, motivational interviewing and we continue to use that technique as we do with any patient who is showing some lack of motivation. We, we keep doing the, inter, the motivational interviewing to try to, to bring them on board. We meet them where they're at and then we continue to try to bring them to us and to listen to what, they, what we recommend they need to do to support their, their healthcare issue. Perfect. So just a, for you know another question, going back to our case scenario with Mr. B, uh, if if a family member like his wife uh, is there, so obviously he wants her involved in in his care, would you try and involve the wife in this in this and trying to you know if he were say resisting or do you think that that's not a good approach? I think that's a great approach. I think family should be involved in patients' plan cares plan of care. It's a holistic approach to care, and honestly, this is a true story. And we did involve his wife and her role was as a reminder. So he would get up, get ready for work, sit at the table to have breakfast, and she would have the blood pressure cuff ready before he ate and have the paper ready so that he could take his blood pressure, write it down, and that would be done for the day. So she was a huge part in reminding and encouraging him and, and also stating that maybe they're right. Maybe you do have high blood pressure and we need to get this treated so that you don't experience long-term health complications. So she was very much a champion of the program. That's great. And I'm, I'm sure she was also trying to get him to do it before he drank his first cup of coffee. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I know that that was a big thing that he couldn't eat or drink until he did it, but she had everything ready to go. Well, sounds like a good partner and a good partner for both of you, both him and, and you for, you know, trying to take care of him. Um, and finally, Katie, to wrap up our two-part podcast, uh, what advice would you give to practices looking to start their own program? So this is a program where it's important for everyone to be involved and everyone to understand what is going on, including the medical assistants, your front desk staff, so that everybody's able to answer questions that patients may ask, that everyone is able to weigh in on the workflow and whether it's efficient or not efficient, time constraints, and everybody's given a voice to 
to verbalize how they feel things are going and are able to weigh in on the plan and help make changes to the plan if it's not working. I think what made us so successful was that everyone was committed to the program. And I can say one thing at Pearl Clinic is that every one of us truly cares about every one of our patients. And I think that's what led to the commitment from everybody, because ultimately, I think we all knew that this program was going to contribute to prevention and also helping our patients maintain the best health and quality of life. Which is ultimately what all of this should be about. I agree. Well, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has joined us. Uh, if you have any questions about self-measured blood pressure in general, about our blood pressure loaner program, or any other quality initiatives that we're doing here at Quality Insights, please feel free to reach out to the practice transformation specialist assigned to your practice. If you have not worked with us previously, please feel free to explore our website further and reach out to us with any questions. Thanks so much, Courtney. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us.